So I want to get right into today's message. I want to take you to the book of Psalms, chapter 103, if you'd like to follow along with that. Psalms chapter 103, and they'll put it on the screens as well. I want to read the first five verses. You're going to hear me talk about five a lot this morning. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all our iniquities, who heals all our, your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Praise the Lord. You know, the observance of Thanksgiving is really a tradition in our culture and is one that we really hold near and dear as Americans. The tradition of gathering together for a time of Thanksgiving is almost 400 years old in our country. Uh, preceded our becoming a nation, in fact. Goes all the way back to Plymouth Colony. The pilgrims uprooted themselves from their homeland and sailed across the nation, or across the seas, uh, around the world, as it were, in days when traveling was by boat with sails. They were depending on the wind. And uh, they traveled on a boat called the Mayflower. And un <laughs> unbeknownst to them, they had gotten off course. And um, the pilgrims who came here uh, endured so much. It's amazing that we even have a holiday called Thanksgiving that came out of that tradition because of what they went through. Instead of landing in Virginia, where they intended to land, where there were other colonies, where they would have had uh, safety and other people who already had established themselves to help them, they wound up in a place called uh, uh, Plymouth, Massachusetts. And they got there just in time for a uh, winter. And it was a very, very hard winter at that. In fact, the, it, it, what they endured that winter was enough to break most any man, no matter how strong he was. Let me give you uh, Governor Bradford's description. William Bradford, who was governor of that colony, said, and I quote, that which was most sad and lamentable was that in two or three months' time, half of our company had died. He went on to describe how sometimes two or three people died each day. Every day they were having those kind of deaths. Can you imagine? Can you imagine living in a neighborhood, a community, or a small town where in three months half of the population died because of disease or because of, of, of freezing to death or starving to death? It was a horrible, horrible time. When a, there was a ship that was supposed to come behind them with supplies, and when it arrived, Unfortunately, everything had, had been gone from the ship. I don't know whether it was a storm that caused them to have to throw everything overboard, but it arrived with only 35 more mouths to feed, which is what they didn't need, and no supplies whatsoever. It was a horrible, horrible time. And to think that the tradition of Thanksgiving came out of that colony. Well, here's the reason why. In 1621... Edward Winslow, who was one of the 50 
original members of that Plymouth colony, wrote these words describing the first Thanksgiving. And again, I quote, Our harvest of corn came in well, and God be praised, we had a good increase of Indian corn, and our barley crop was also good. Oh, they, they, they finally uh, had some good news. They finally got through the difficult time, and now they saw a brighter day. And so they decided way back then not to ever forget that it was God that brought them through and kept them from extinction, extinction, and they were able to praise and give thanks to the Lord. And uh, remember that God had delivered them from that. And so they started a tradition way back then. Um, and, and what they did, they would take a plate on Thanksgiving Day before they, before they started their meal, they would set an empty plate on the table. And on that plate, they placed five small kernels of corn. And I'll tell you why in just a minute, the, the number of five. But they placed five little kernels of corn. And then they would pass that plate around. And each person at the table would hold up one, one he'd give thankful for something, and two, he'd give thankful for something else. Three, they'd give thankful for something else, Thanksgiving, and four, and five, five things that they would give thanks for, say they were thankful for. And then they would pass the plate to the next one. And <clears throat> you see, in that, in that first year when things got so bad, it reached a point where their supplies were so low that each person in that colony was given five kernels of corn per day. That was their ration. That's what they had to live on. You would get one, your husband or wife would get one, and, you'd, and each of your five children would get one of those rations. In other words, five kernels of corn per person in your family. And that's all they had per day for a while. And so they never wanted to forget that. And that's why that tradition started. And now that God had brought them through, they took those five kernels of corn to remind themselves that God was faithful and brought them through. And they had survived and they were now prospering and being blessed. And as Christians, we should always remember that in the most dire and difficult of circumstances that we can rely upon God because he will see us through. Amen? And so we need to give thanks. So what I'm going to do this morning, I'm going to take five kernels from the 103rd Psalm because there's five, like I said, you're going to hear the number five over and over. I love numerology. Uh, in fact, I've got a book in my library that, that just deals with numbers and what they mean. And, and uh, you know, God likes numbers. He's even got a book in, in the Bible that he calls numbers. So God, he, he likes numbers as well. And in fact, in the Hebrew language, numbers and letters, each letter has a numerical equivalent. And, uh, and, and so you could literally write a sentence just with numbers because every number represents a letter and letter number and so forth. 
And in fact, in this 103rd Psalm, and one of the reasons I'm so fascinated by it, the first phrase, bless the Lord, O my soul, is, is found five times in the Bible. And in these first five verses, five verses that I read to you for my text this morning, there are five things to be thankful for. And so I want to look at these five. I'm going to give you five little kernels of thanksgiving from the 103rd Psalm. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. And the first kernel is the kernel of forgiveness. In verse 3, the first part, who forgives all your iniquities. How many of you are glad this morning that God forgives? Oh, praise God. Yes, give him praise for that. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus told us one of the things we should ask for is forgiveness. He told us to pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, or our trespasses as, as we forgive those who trespass against us, as some translations puts it. He told us to pray for forgiveness. And the reason he told us to ask for forgiveness is because he also told us in Matthew 7 and in Luke chapter 11 that if we would ask, we would receive. That's a promise from God. And so if you'll ask the Father for forgiveness, he will give you forgiveness. That's a promise from the Word of God. And so we can have forgiveness today. I don't know what your, what your status is, but if you've never asked the Lord into your heart, I hope before you leave this morning that you will pray a prayer and just say, Lord, forgive me for every sin. And you'll be amazed at what will happen because the blood of Jesus Christ will wash away your sins. And a, somebody, either Jesus himself or an archangel that's keeping record, will write your name in the Lamb's Book of Life and you will be forgiven. Praise God for forgiveness today. The second kernel that I see here, he says in the second part of verse 3, who not only forgives all of our iniquities, but who heals all our diseases. He heals us. There is healing. The same Lord that provided a way for our salvation also provided a way for our healing. How many of you have been healed by the power of God? Amen. He is a healing God. Thank the Lord. Jesus, in all of the agonies that he went through that day that he was crucified, one of the things he went through was in Pilate's judgment hall when they gave him a whipping, a horrible, horrible beating. They used a whip they called the cat of nine tails. It was a whip that had nine streamers on it. And in the end of each streamer was tied a very sharp object. So when they beat the back of Jesus and jerked back on it, it literally cut into the flesh, tore his body. One of the, one of the prophets of old said that it looked like furrows that had been plowed in his back as they ripped his back open with that horrible beating that he received in Pilate's judgment hall. But all oh, the great prophet Isaiah said, he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Oh, hallelujah. Thank the Lord for healing today. And so the psalmist said one of the things that we need to praise God for and give him thanks is, uh, is healing. Now, I'm only, I'm only dealing with five out of this 103rd Psalm today and these first five verses. There are many, many other things. I don't want you to think this is a limited list. 
In fact, last night I was privileged to preach at the uh, Indian Church of Augusta Thanksgiving message, and I, I just quickly listed 14 things to, to uh, thank God for that you can find in scriptures. And that, and that was not the, uh, an exhaustive list either. There's a whole lot more. But I just want to give you these five just to sort of perk your interest, I hope, in taking some time to give thanks to God this Thanksgiving to Him. The third kernel is redemption. It's found in verse 4, the first part. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of His benefits. Oh, praise the Lord, because He is the one who redeems your life from destruction. Redemption is a wonderful, wonderful doctrine in the Scripture. The word redeem means to buy back. We had sold ourselves to the slave markets of sin because of the disobedience of our forefathers and the sin that was passed to us generically. But, but beyond that, because of the sins that we had committed ourselves, we were in bondage, had a yoke of sin upon us. But Jesus came, praise the Lord, to buy us out of the slave market of sin. I love a passage from Isaiah chapter 52, verse 3. Look at this. For thus says the Lord, you have sold yourselves for nothing, and you shall be redeemed without money. Oh, praise God. We had, yes, we had sold ourselves for naught, for nothing, to the, to the world, to the flesh, to the devil. And we were in bondage to sin. And we, didn't, we couldn't buy our way out of that. There's not enough money in the world to buy your way out of that. So there's a better way. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, the great apostle said this, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, such as silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by tradition from the, from the fathers, but with the precious blood of Jesus, as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Oh, he came with something more valuable than silver. He came with something more valuable than gold. He shed his blood, innocent blood, pure blood, holy blood. Oh, glory to God. God himself incarnate in the flesh as Jesus Christ shed his blood. And that blood redeems us from sin, buys us out, sets us free. Hallelujah. One of the Psalms says, he, bought me up, he brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he has set my feet upon a solid rock, and he's established my goings. He's put a new song in my mouth, even praise to the Lord. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. Oh, thank God he found us where we were and bought us out of that, paid the price, set us on our solid rock and said, here's a new life for you. Now enjoy that and be part of the family of God. Wow, what a beautiful, beautiful thing to thank God for. Many years ago, the governor of Texas spoke at a group of convicts at one of the state penitentiaries, one of the large ones there in Texas. And at the end of his speech, he was there with a Christian service. He said, I'm going to remain here for a while. And he said, any of you men that are incarcerated here who would like to speak with me, you can just line up and I'll stay here as long as I need to, but I'll be, I'm willing to speak with any of you. So they lined up, boy. Did they line up? And 
convict after convict came before the governor of Texas. And every one of them had a similar story. Oh, Mr. Governor, you, do, you need to hear my story. I've been framed. I've been, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm really innocent. I really didn't do anything to be here. I just, uh, I've, had, I've had a tough situation. It reminds me of what my daddy told me years ago when I was just a boy. My dad had spent some time in the Atlanta penitentiary, and uh, that was before he got saved. And Daddy told me, he said, you know, the most amazing thing, I think way back then the population of the big penitentiary in Atlanta was something like 30,000. And Dad told me, he said, he said out of 30,000 people in the Atlanta penitentiary, he said, I was the only one that was guilty. He said, <laughs> he said every person I talked to had been framed. He said, there wasn't a one of them in there that, that except me, he said, I knew I was guilty, but said all, all the rest of them. And that's what the governor of Texas ran into. Person after person came to him and said, oh, we've been framed. We've been taken advantage of somebody except one man. There was one guy that stepped up and said, Mr. Governor, I want to thank you for being so kind as to come and speak to us today. I enjoyed your speech. And I want you to know that I'm guilty of what I was accused of. And I rightly belong right here in this penitentiary. And I've been here now for a number of years. And he said, sir, I've tried to change the way I live. And he said, I've tried to be a, a good uh, prisoner. And said, in fact, you can check my record with those uh, who are over me. And he said, I feel like I've done my time. I feel like I have paid for the crime. And I tell you this, Mr. Governor, if you should be kind enough to pardon me, I promise you I would endeavor to be a good citizen and be a blessing and try to help others not to come to this place. Did you know that out of all the people that talked to the governor of Texas that day, this is the one man that he pardoned and set him free? Why? Because he was willing to take responsibility for what he had done and ask for a pardon. Can I say to you this morning, if you're not saved, if you'll just step up to the plate and, and if you'll just admit that you are a sinner and you'll just say to the Lord, Lord, I have sinned. I've fallen short. I've missed the mark. And I realize that. And I'm asking you this morning for a pardon. I promise you if you'll do that. In fact, the Bible said, he that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. If you'll bring your sins to the Lord Jesus this morning, quit trying to blame somebody else. Quit trying to hide behind somebody else. Quit trying to get out of that victim mentality and just step up to the plate and say, I did it. I'm wrong. I ask your forgiveness. He will redeem you. He will set you free. He will pardon you. He will bring you into the place of his wonderful, wonderful redemption. Praise the Lord. The fourth colonel that I would like to mention to you here is the kernel of loving kindness and tender mercies. Look at it in verse 103, the fourth verse, the B part of it, the second part of it. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, who crowns my life with loving kindness and tender mercies. I want to ask you something. Can you find a, a, can you find a, a more beautiful couplet of words than those two? Loving kindness tender mercy. Loving kindness and tender mercy. Isn't it wonderful? Praise God. Loving kindness and tender mercy. 
That's what your heavenly father desires to bless you with today. And we can be thankful for that. We can give him praise for that. In fact, Jeremiah, the prophet said in Lamentations chapter three, verses 22 and 23, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Praise the Lord. Did you know when you woke up this morning, there were brand new mercies from your heavenly father waiting for you to step into, waiting for you to enjoy, waiting for you to receive. Oh, praise the Lord. Now, unfortunately, unfortunately, a lot of people are just kind of given to looking on the dark side of life. And uh, I shared last night that uh, I, I discovered many years ago that uh, you can ride around in town in the area of town where houses are bigger and finer than the one you live in. And if you're not careful, it'll make you dissatisfied with the one you have. You can look at new shiny cars that are, that are got more bells and whistles than the one you're driving and look a lot better than yours. And if you're not careful, you'll become dissatisfied. You can do that with almost anything. But I also discovered that you can also ride around other parts of town and you can find houses that are not as nice as the one you live in. And you can realize how blessed you are. Yeah. You don't have to go very far. You'll find somebody driving an old jalopy that's worse than yours. Yeah. Amen. So, sort of reminds me of a, a Texan was bragging one time about how big his farm was. And the guy who was bragging to didn't understand him. He, he was telling the, he was telling the whole boy, uh, had a showing him his little farm where he lived. And the old Texans kind of strutted, and pushed his shoulders back, and said, "Well, let me tell you," said that farm I got back in Texas that I can get in my pickup truck early in the morning about sunrise, and he said I can drive till the sun come goes down, and not get to the other side of my farm. And the old farmer said, "Yeah, I had an old truck like that myself one time." <laughs> You, you can always, if you look around long enough, you can find somebody that's in worse shape than you are. And really, if you make a list of your blessings and you can make another list of the things that you're disappointed in, you'll discover that, that you'll you make a pretty good grade. You, none of us in here, none of us in here have a perfect life. None of us, have, we're not redeemed, we're, we're, not, we're not glorified yet. We're not to heaven yet. That's coming. We're not there yet. We're still in this old sinful world. And, and we, all of us have some areas that we wish are better. But if you start thinking about, just, just start naming a few things that, that are good. Maybe you've got, maybe you had good parents. Boy, what a blessing that is. Maybe you got good kids. What a blessing that is. Maybe you got a good marriage. What a blessing that is. Maybe, maybe you got a good church family. What a blessing that is. You just name your blessings. You, you may not, there may be some of those areas that, you know, you, know, you may look around and, and, and it feels like everybody's got a nice house and you're living in an attic apartment. Or, or it looks like everybody's got a good car and you're, you're driving an old jalopy. But, but listen, if you, if you, if you look at and, 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 and put your score down, you'll discover that you'll, you make a pretty good grade. Did you know that in baseball, 
when a man hits three out of ten, we celebrate him. Man, we say, that guy's got, he got a 300 batting average. Wow! He becomes a hero. We pay him millions of dollars. In fact, if he can maintain a 300-plus average long enough, we'll put him in the Hall of Fame. We're saying, wow, look at that. Three, three out of ten. <laughs> Forget the fact that he struck out seven times out of ten. <laughs> but he hit the home run three times out of ten. I want to tell you, you, you got a pretty good score this morning. I, bet, I just have an, a, an idea that everybody in here is batting better than 300. Yeah. Amen. So why don't we just celebrate the 300 plus and give God praise for that because he's worthy. Don't give in to murmuring and complaining for heaven's sakes. I hate that word murmur. I really do. I heard about a guy that joined a monastery. He wanted to be a monk. And you know, they put you through, you, you, it, that's a very aesthetic kind of lifestyle. And, and they really put you through it to, to see if you're going to make it. You got four years that you got to prove yourself when you join the monastery. And uh, they always deprive you of something. And this old boy joined up and they told him, they said, uh, you can't speak for a year. This is your first year. You can't say a word for a year. So <clears throat> maybe why no women join monasteries. I don't know. It. <laughs> I'm sorry, ladies. Thank the Lord. We don't stop talking to us. We need, we need to hear from you. You're, you're a blessing. <laughs> but this old boy made it a year without saying a word. And they called him in and they said, well, you've made the first year. You hadn't said a word. We're going to allow you to speak three words. He said, bed too hard. <laughs> said, okay. You go back. You can't speak for another year. Not a word. Brought him in at the end of the second year. Hadn't said a word. Said, well, you do, you're doing really good. Said, uh, you got three words. He said, food, no good. I said, okay, go back. Third year, you can't say a word. At the end of the third year, now he hadn't spoken. He's just one more year away from graduating. But when they brought him in that time, it didn't take him three words. He just used two. He said, I quit. <laughs> and they said, well, you might as well. All you've done is complain ever since you've been here. Some people just complain about everything. All they see is, is, is doom, despair, and misery. And they, they, they live in that world of doom, despair, and misery. Oh, don't do that. Don't do that. I just read that scripture to you from the book of Lamentations where he talked about the fact that the mercies of God are new every morning. And then he ended up with great as thy faithfulness. You know, regardless of what you're going through, there's something to be thankful for. Can't tell you how my heart's been touched this morning and tonight. I looked out this morning and saw one of our ladies who has, for the last uh, more than five years now, she took care of her mother and her dad, both in her home. 
She had just lost her husband that she'd took, taken care of for a couple of years who died with cancer. And then she had both of her parents. She, she had a very large room, had a wall taken out so she could have a big enough room to put two hospital beds and, and, and uh, take care of her mother and daddy. And she took care of both of them. Her dad died a couple of years ago and her mother died just a few months ago or a few weeks ago, actually. And, uh, and, and I, I saw her this morning rejoicing in the Lord. I thought, boy, you, you, you have been through so much. And, and, and still she had something to thank God for. And, and last night, I can't tell you how blessed I was. I, I, I don't want to embarrass the family. They're sitting here right now, but Brother George and Sister Anna, and they had a little segment in their service last night where they had testimonies. And Sister Anna stood and she said, I just want to sing a verse of a song. And she sang a verse of, great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Oh, hallelujah. And I thought, you know, it's, it's probably been the most difficult year of their lives. And yet they're singing about the faithfulness of God. God is faithful. Let, let me tell you, folks, lift up your eyes and look to the Lord. He's still a good God. He's going to bring you through to ultimate victory. He hasn't forsaken you. He's with you this morning. He promised never to leave you, never to forsake you. We've got something to praise God for. Oh, hallelujah. Give him praise this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. And then the final kernel from this number five, from these first five verses, in verse 5, he says, Who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. God satisfies your mouth with good things. Good th if you'll let him. If you'll let him. You know, and this is, not, this is talking about food, but even more than food. God does bless you. When, in, in the 23rd Psalm, when the, the psalmist David was talking about the good shepherd, one of the things he talked about was food. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. That's one of the things he said he'd never want for. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And he listed seven things he'd never want for. And one of them was food. And, and I can tell by looking at the, at the crowd this morning that most of us love to eat. And, and we're, probably, we're probably looking forward to, uh, to, to Thursday. when Yeah. Yeah, good amen out of that. Praise the Lord. Don't forget Wednesday night to set your scales back 15 pounds <laughs> to get ready for Thursday. Amen. We, we love food. And, and God has blessed us to have food. God's blessed us. And listen, we're we going to eat on the other, our, in our glorified bodies. We're still going to get to eat. Amen. Praise the Lord. But our glorified bodies won't be bothered by cholesterol. And they won't, they won't be bothered by calories and all that stuff. We're going to eat. The marriage supper of the lamb. Praise God. One, one guy was talking to his son uh, and trying to figure out what he had just finished a whole series on prophecy. And he's trying to figure out what his son had learned. And he said, what, what did you learn out of this? And he, he said, Daddy, I, I learned that we're going to eat for seven solid years at the marriage supper of the lamb. Well, we're going we, we're gonna to eat, that's for sure. We're going to enjoy. But, but he's talking about spiritual food as well. 
I love Psalms 34 and 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. You want to be blessed? We are recipients of God's blessings. And we need to give him thanks for that. Blessings that come abundantly from the Lord. Oh, when we taste of the Lord, he is good. He is good. He is good. All of us didn't grow up with a tradition of seeing that God is good. It took me a long time to learn it because I came up in that hard, dogmatic, legalistic kind of system where I, I had an idea that God was like a judge up there just watching, waiting for me to mess up so he could knock me in the head. And that's not the God that we serve at all. He's a good, good father. He's a good shepherd, Jesus said. Good shepherd lays down his life for his, for his sheep. Jesus did that for us. He's a good father. I want to tell you something this morning. Our father's waiting with open arms for us to run in his direction. Whatever we need, whenever we need it, we got so much to be thankful for. I, I, when, you, when you leave this morning at the front door, Somebody will offer you, all adults will offer you one of these little envelopes. And there's five little kernels of corn in that, that envelope. I don't know whether you'll want to start a tradition or not, or whether you'll want to use it or not. But I hope it, at least when you look at the envelope, it'll just remind you uh, of this Sunday morning to be thankful for God's blessings. And maybe you'll want to take out those five little kernels of corn and put it in a plate on your Thanksgiving table. Maybe you'd like to pass it around before you eat that meal and take a moment to think of five things that you're thankful for. That shouldn't be hard at all. That shouldn't be hard at all. Or maybe even better than that, you'd like to think of five people that God has placed in your life that you'd like to be thankful for. And just give God a word of thanks. And if you do that, I would encourage you to tell some people that you thank God for them. You, you just never know when a word of encouragement from you to somebody else might affect their life in a very positive way at a time when they need it most. When you just go say, you know, I just want to tell you that I'm thankful that God placed you in my life or let our paths cross. You've been a blessing to me. There's so many people. We've got so much to thank God for. I'd like for you to stand with me at this time. By the way, if you take one of these little envelopes, there's supposed to be five kernels of corn in each one. We're human. If I messed up on one and there's only four... Please forgive me. Or if yours has got six, just be blessed. Took a while to put five kernels of corn in 500 envelopes to get ready. I think I spent more time packing envelopes than I did studying. So if I fell short on the sermon, let this be your sermon. There was a time in this nation when our forefathers 
who came here to have a place where they could be free to worship God after the dictates of their own heart, where they could be free, where they could develop a system where the government is of the people, for the people, and by the people. And they made a great sacrifice. There was one point in our history where they were rationed five kernels of corn per person per day to eat. And so they commemorated each Thanksgiving by putting five kernels of corn on a plate to remind them that God saw them through those tough times and gave abundance. And what an abundant nation we have today. We live in, we're, we're the most blessed people in the world. If you've never traveled abroad, you just don't realize how blessed you are. When you step off of a plane in most any country in the world, you're considered a wealthy person if you're an American. In fact, in fact, if you make as much as $35,000 a year, you're in the top 10% of income in the whole world. God has blessed America, folks. You, 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 can, you, can, you can do all you want to, not you, I'm talking about the, the people who don't believe in God. They can do all they want to to try to expunge God from our history and take Him out of our classrooms. And they can do all they want to, but the fact is the favor of God is on this nation. And it hasn't left. I know, I know there's a lot of things going on and I know, I know there's a lot of doomsday prophecy, but I want to tell you something. Something, I, I've really picked it up this year. I'm, I'm excited about 2020. Something is happening in our nation. Something is happening. There, there, is, a, there, there is something going on. God is doing something. Amen. Bethany World Prayer Center that we're connected with and have been for many years, and Pastor Larry and I, are, I've been on his National 12 for many years now. And just, a, just a few weeks ago, somebody, if you've been to Baton Rouge, if you've ever ridden down the interstate there that comes from New Orleans to Baton Rouge, you know that when you get to the south campus of Bethany, they've got three of the most huge crosses you've ever seen. I mean, you see it for miles on, the, on vacant property, and there's acres of land back before you get to their south church building. Somebody took a picture of that and sent it to Kanye West. And Kanye West handed that picture to the people that's in his organization and said, I want to do a service there. And so a couple of weeks ago, Kanye West had an outdoor service and those acres of ground there at the South Campus. Well over 10,000 people showed up packed in there. Thousands of young people gave their hearts to Jesus. And he's already, get, Kanye West has already given away 30, over 30,000 Bibles to young people 
that don't have a Bible and never read the Word of God. The American Bible Society has joined with him now and said, we'll give you all the Bibles you need. Give them away as much as you can. Of course, you probably already saw on the news what, what happened at Joel Osteen's church at the service they had there a couple of weeks ago with 20,000 inside and just about that many outside trying to get in. Thousands and thousands of young people are suddenly coming. Can you imagine if, if young people will start reading the Word of God? Amen. No. Don't 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 buy don't buy don't buy into the fact that God has forsaken us and God has left us and God has turned his back on us. No, 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 no. We may have turned our back on him, but his favor and his blessing, and a lot of it's because of the prayers of the people that have gone before us. Amen. We owe a lot to our heritage. We owe a lot to our heritage. A lot to our heritage. We need to thank God for it. But I, I just, I just sense, and, and I, I don't know, one of my greatest concerns about, and, and anytime somebody comes out of the kind of background that Kanye West does and suddenly becomes a Christian and has that kind of notoriety and stardom, it always concerns me because you've got a baby Christian now who is under the spotlight every minute and he's going to be expected to speak and you know and and how many how many of you when you were a baby made some mistakes yeah you're, you're not you're not ready for that kind of uh and and so we ought to pray for him that god will help him to mature in the lord and, amen but what i what i'm wanting to say by all of this a lot of it i don't understand and i'm not i'm not here to pass judgment one way or the other right now other than to say God is doing something. Something is beginning. I just have a feeling that there's another great awakening that, that's in its inception that's beginning to happen. It's, it, it, there's shaking places across the nation. And God's favor is on us. We need to thank God for it. We need to praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Bow your heads with me, if you will. We're going to pray a prayer of thanksgiving. Now let me say to anyone standing here today that's unsaved, this would be a wonderful time during this prayer for you to just open your heart to the Lord. Ask him to forgive you for your sins. Remember one of the things in Psalms 103 to thank the Lord for is that he forgives. Forgiveness is available to you right now. You can ask God to forgive you for your sins. And he'll wash them all away. Make you a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. If you wandered away from the Lord, this would be a good time to come home. Thank God for the opportunity to pray today. Receive him. Renew your commitment to the Lord. Now I want you for the next few minutes to just join me in prayer. Let's pray a prayer of thanksgiving to the Lord, shall we? Right from your heart, just pray to the Lord. Father, right now, we just lift our voices to you in thanksgiving and gratitude and praise. Thank you, Lord, most of all for who you are. You're a wonderful Father. Alpha and Omega, beginning and end, first and last, all wise, eternal God. You're the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley, the bright and the morning star. 
Oh, your wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Lord, you're sweeter than honey from the honeycomb. You're our rock and our salvation. You're our rock of defense. You're our shelter in the time of storm. Oh, we love you this morning and we thank you. Thank you this morning, Lord. Thank you this morning. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We bless your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Let's give God some praise, shall we?